So you got to be a judge. I got to be a judge for the burger making competition. Talk about that. Well, I mean, I, f- I feel like that was my moment in life. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> I, had, I had arrived. <laughs> it was so good, but I, I was also taking it very seriously. Very yeah. seriously. I mean, this is, in many ways, this is my life's work. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've worked on this ranch and lived on this ranch my whole life. And seeing a, a product come from it, a product that's been developed over decades of, you know, really extraordinarily hard work, and then have that product go out to restaurants and then have these restaurants come back to the Six Ranch to compete by seeing how good of a burger they can make with this product like it was amazing and they were they were taking it very seriously they all wanted this beef to be the best that it could possibly be mm-hmm. and you know I wanted to be as honest and and as focused about about judging that as I as I fairly could These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. Diapers and barbed wire. Is that your life? Oh my gosh. That's a lot of my life. Yeah. Just a lot of fixing things and solving problems on the fly, whether they be big problems or whether they be, I don't want to wear those shoes, full meltdown (laughs) problems. So it's been a little while since you've uh, been on the show. Um, I think the last time... You had uh, had some grass leases. You had your boys were younger, obviously a year younger. Has it been about a year? I think it's been about a year. Yeah, a different season, so maybe a year and a half or something. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, you had about a hundred head of cows then. Mm-hmm. What's changed? Actually, a lot. I was thinking about that this morning. You know, we we pivot so often, and. It's not until you look back on it that you're like, wow, actually, a lot's moved because mm-hmm. the days kind of just um, run together and can feel really repetitive sometimes. Uh, but yeah, so we, you know, had a drought last summer and... What does that mean? 
Um, yeah, I think a drought means different things in different areas. You know, the South, I don't think we get to compare with what the South goes through when they go through a drought, they completely run out of feed. Right. And I think if they would have looked at our pastures last year, they've been like, oh, you should add more cows, right? right. Like this is fine. Would have been a good year. Yeah. But a drought in New Mexico or Arizona might mean that they don't get rainfall for, you know, 14 months or something like right. that. For us, it's different. And the severity of a drought is is different here because of, you know, what we're used to, basically. Exactly. And so what it meant for us is that we had to haul water for the first time. Our ponds got really mucked out. So does that just mean like you go out to a spigot and fill up a five-gallon <laughs> bucket and then carry that someplace? Like, yeah. Like Little House on the Prairie? Yes. Yes. Just pumping my well and my prairie skirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was so wild. We're so... Um, it would. It's like... I don't know, when North Carolina got snow, you know, like we don't have the equipment to yeah. do that. We don't have a lot of know-how. Yeah. So we filled up this giant tanker that somebody had in their shop from the last time there was a drought here. So like... Which was like a four or 5,000 gallon tank, right? Yeah. It was huge. It was huge. Also didn't have baffles in it. No. So typical water trucks, <laughs> water tanks have baffles in it so that the water can't like slosh around and create momentum. Yeah. Um, this did not, this did not, it didn't have anything. So we got, you know, like we had to weld things on it so that we could fill it up Yeah. and then get water back out of it and do all these silly things with different fixtures and valves and just a ridiculous amount of work went into it. And then we put it on top of this truck that we got off of eBay <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> like was a single axle ginormous truck. Yeah, that truck's like thirty feet long or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I mean we had like a semi. Big flatbed thing. Which uh you know, I don't want to throw stones here, but I imagine Mark hasn't driven something like that a No, lot. but full confidence. <laughs> just just sent it. All of this he was like, and then we'll do this and I'm getting more game the longer our marriage goes because he's he usually pulls things off. Yeah. Um, and he did pull this off. But so we, you know, put a hose in it. Um, we have one big water tank that is full of rainwater all the time. So we pumped that empty into it first. And then we just like stuck a hose in it and let it go and filled it up almost to the top. Because, you know, let's make this worth it. Right. Sure. And before that, we had to haul troughs up there. There's no troughs. And and before that, you know, we tried to dig out a spring. So we had an, we rented an excavator and took an excavator to the top of the canyons and then to the bottom of the canyons and put in a tire trough for the first time in our lives. And um, yeah, so we'd already tried those things, hauled some big troughs to the top, got those up there. The morning we're looking at going, I'm like, I'm going to stay with the children here yeah. and we hope we see you again, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, uh, kind of kidding. Um, but to get to our cows, we have to go across the cat's back. So you right. want to tell people what the cat's back is? Well, cat's back is a part of a ridge that separates two, you know, creek or river systems that, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 miles long each. 
and the cat's back is a real steep portion of that that you know if you set down a, a bowling ball on the top of it there's a good chance that it's going to go either left or right and, and if it does i think you're looking at i don't know 2500 feet of fall sure 2500 feet before a, a rock is going to stop rolling yeah it's a great place to roll rocks if it you're is. into that kind of thing, which I definitely still am. Yeah. At this point in my life. I hope oh my I gosh. never grow out of that. Yeah. So gratifying. Uh, when we were in the uh, mountains the other day, I was rolling some rocks. And nice. The the person who we love, um, who, who doesn't get mentioned <laughs> on this show, uh, was very, uh, very, very nervous about <laughs> me rolling rocks and insisted that I stop, which um, I think... They meant that I would stop forever. I'm not stopping. No, no, no. Um, I'll never stop either. And I secretly do it with salt blocks sometimes. Really? Too. Yeah. Um, if you can, if you can get the right angle above your salt ground, sometimes, yeah. um, like out on Devil's Ridge, there's a couple of places, and it's harder. They're square. Yeah. Um, but if they get going. But if they get going, all you need is some revolutions. Yeah. And then they're. Yeah. Oh, and there's nothing more heartbreaking than when you roll a big rock off the hill and it goes it like does the slide yeah. and stop brutal brutal mean so yeah um anyways that was just a crazy adventure the water sloshed all over the place and was i'm sure completely terrifying mark gave me a pg version when he got home and then yeah, we we can, got it dialed you still, and you can still see the grip marks yeah. on the steering wheel <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so scary uh yeah he said he had the door open um, on lots of different parts, ready to just yeah, let that truck go to the bottom by its own self. Let Jesus take the wheel. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we got it dialed. We figured out how many you know gallons of water we could take a little safer, and we did that um, every day through the summer. And you know that's fine, except I just had this feeling like we don't struggle this hard through winters here to haul water in the summers. Right. Like you raise cows here because we have summer grass. Yeah. That's the best. Like. And typically that's the trade-off. Right. right. Places that don't get a lot of rain and don't have a lot of grass in the summertime, they don't have to deal with six feet of snow in the wintertime. Exactly. Yeah. We, um, then this year happened, right? And we got so much rain. Yeah. Like it was snowing and raining all the way through June Mm -hmm. into July. And now we've got, you know, you never have too much grass, but we kind of have too much grass. We have a monster amount of grass. Yeah. It didn't look like we were going to for a while because it was so cold. You know, it just snowed and snowed and snowed. It would never quit snowing. And we had that monster storm this winter. You know, I was snowmobiling to town for a couple of weeks um, my truck was completely buried, like up to the top of the cab buried. Yeah. Um, I had that snow drift stayed in my yard um, until, was it April 20th, I think? It finally melted out. That was crazy. Yeah. And then it just kept snowing and snowing and snowing. So the grass was not coming and everybody was scared. Mm-hmm. It's like we came off of a drought year. We had this monster winter and now the winter won't end and this grass isn't coming but then it kept raining, and eventually when the heat did catch up with it, this grass exploded. Yeah. Exploded. You know, our grass that was normally three feet tall was six feet tall. Exactly. Yeah, really challenging to um, work through those big swings. Yeah. And I think that's a challenge that will continue 
to happen, right? Sure. Who knows what next year is going to do? Yeah. So what we're doing now is leasing. We're still leasing ranches. Mark is still managing the McDaniels Ranch on top of that. We're running outside cattle um, and outside yearlings. And outside just means they belong to someone else. We are in charge of their care. Right. Um, You're babysitting livestock. We are babysitting livestock. We still have our own cow-calf operation. We started leasing the Sixth Ranch Mm -hmm. this year and took over management of the grass-fed beef business Mm -hmm. there. Which I just had some of our little meat snack nugget things Yeah. on the way up here. Those are good. Yeah. I almost wonder, tell me if this is a stupid idea. Okay. You already think it's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Can you be objective about this? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. I'm not going to look you look at you. Okay. Cocktail garnish. That's dumb. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I like, mean, like for- a really sweet, smoky piece of grass-fed beef that is light years better than a maraschino cherry. Oh, so are you trying to specifically like old-fashioned? I mean, you could definitely do it. Like, yes, people would get behind that. I think that there's a very specific audience for like, here's a little piece of beef with your scotch. I'm thinking more of like rye. <laughs> okay. I think you missed the point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's possible. I think you can garnish with anything like, but I... Lots of people put celery in their drinks, and that's ridiculous. Celery is like... It's not because there's celery seed in the drink and celery juice in the drink. So I, my purest thing about garnishes is that you shouldn't garnish with something that has nothing to do with the dish or drink. So Mm. unless that ingredient is somehow in there or is highlighted by the garnish, like the garnish should be intentional. Parsley is not just a like acceptable go-to garnish. That's what I use all the time. I know. I've got this little dried thing of parsley, like semi-dried. Like freeze-dried? No, it comes in like a cup, but it's like chopped up. And it's not dried. You keep it in the fridge. Okay. Um, but it lasts for a long time. It's not like you buy fresh parsley and it's dead after, you know, 48 hours or whatever. And I just put a little sprinkle of that on my omelets. I think that's adorable. I would do chives instead. You would? Mm-hmm. They're a bit harsh. Then put them in ice water first. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. Also, if you put a damp paper towel in a bag with parsley, it'll last for a long time. Like, take your parsley when you get it home. Just put a, like, damp mm. paper towel in a Ziploc with it. Okay. It'll last for a long time. Good to know. Good to know. I mostly do it for the color. Yeah. But there's things you can do that would enhance the dish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> I think that I I would be more stoked with a piece of, you know, sweet smoky beef than an oddly red and weird cherry in a glass of rye. Yeah. Um I'm with you. I don't I don't do the marsh, you know. Is that right? Marsh, you know, cherry. Worcestershire. 
Worcestershire, Worcestershire, no, Mar- oh, it got worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like a bourbon soaked, yummy dark cherry, I think is great. But I, I did say that for a specific audience, I think beef on a drink is great, and I can totally see it with a Bloody Mary. Yeah, uh, celery, celery is pretty gross. I love celery. It tastes like wet, crunchy hair. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. If you just bite celery, it's like, hmm, that was... That's what I mean. You're doing it. Don't just bite celery. Then what's it even doing there? Oh, so many things. I love celery. <laughs> um, okay, tell me about okay. celery. Because celery is an ingredient in so many stocks and soups mm-hmm. and sauces. What's it doing besides being like barely edible? In the stock? Yeah. Like what, what is oh, celery gonna... actually doing? Flavor. So, I mean, yeah. So celery is a part of the like, you know, foundation of, right? It's carrots, onion, celery. Yep. Celery is the grassy, bright flavor there. You're getting sweet from the onion and you're getting sweet a little bit from everything, but it's so bright. So if you like slice it on the bias. Um, What's that mean? Like at an angle. Okay really thin. Mm-hmm. And then um, I really like to do a little bit of fish sauce, lime juice, and sesame oil and jalapenos and cilantro and just toss that and like that's your salad. You can do it like a Caesar salad. Like you can do kind of an anchovy garlicky dressing on that same thing. I've roasted celery. Um, celery juice cocktails are great. I'm a big fan of celery. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. I don't think it gets enough love. Well, you brought up something else that does not get enough love, and that is fish sauce. Fish sauce. Fish sauce is the bomb. It is. It makes so much stuff better. Yeah. Umami. It's just, we're like, I feel like Americans are finally coming around to like real fermented stuff. Not just kombucha, not just pickles, but like gross fermented stuff and, and fish sauce is it's so gross, gross. <laughs> so gnarly so gross but like it that's umami that's that thing where you're like why is this so good yeah no i didn't know how fish sauce was made until um brad leone made a comment about it when he was on the show and i was like oh wait is that actually <laughs> yeah i guess i never thought about how a fish could become sauce Ooh. <laughs> Yuck, but it's so good. Yeah. And man, you can put it in so many things and it doesn't take much. Mm-hmm. No, um, not at all. It lasts in your fridge for a long time, but I put it in burger all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very, very good in burger. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about umami a little bit. Um, Umami is, I mean, mushrooms, the classic, right? Like it's not sweet. It's not sour. It's not salty. It's not spicy. Not bitter. Not bitter. It's, to me, it's earthy. Yeah. I think is the best way to describe umami, and it's so crucial. But it's one of those taste categories. Yeah. That is hard to put your finger on. Mm-hmm. But if you like meat, yeah, you like umami. Yes. I mean, that's, um, not everybody likes mushrooms, but a lot of people like meat that don't like mushrooms. So I don't know that that's a a good way to explain it. And I think that comes down to like a texture thing or like, okay. you know, maybe they just weren't raised right or whatever. But, 
yeah, it's it's a very satisfying thing too. Yeah, very satisfying flavor. Yeah, and it, like soy sauce is just straight up umami. Um, yeah, it it is. It's I think it's kind of the base of a lot of like comfort food. Yeah, that's well, probably why I like it so much. Yeah, I'm not afraid to be comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> which i've done so well that's you've done weird things to be uncomfortable too yeah i think being uncomfortable is really important oh it is it is but you don't have to do it all the time you don't have to do it all the time and you are better at that than me yeah okay so you're running yearlings now your yearlings were up around my place quite a bit this year they're kind of a, they're kind of a pain in the ass they're naughty yeah, they're they're bad animals. They're not bad animals. They one of the things with having so much grass and water this year, they're bored. Mm-hmm. And I compared it to like <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for this. Uh but like what I imagine having unearned wealth is like. Oh. It comes out in bad behavior. Mm. Um you know, you don't have to work on your survival, right? right. They didn't have to like look for grass, look for water, look for salt. Everything's just handed to them. And so they're like, I wonder how hard I have to scratch on this fence before it falls down. Right. And then I wonder how many of my friends I can get to come with me across this fence that I just pushed down. And yeah, they're just really naughty. They're so curious. They're so funny. Yearlings are really fun and challenging to manage. Yeah. They're like a combination between a, I don't know, a three-year-old and a 13-year-old. Yeah. Human. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. They're going through puberty. Yeah. But they're also very curious. The world is brand new to them. Mm-hmm. But suddenly they're big and capable of traveling. And uh, yeah, a little bit a little bit sassy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Spring breakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, no, they're hysterical. Uh, yearlings... When you go out in a pasture to move yearlings, they all run directly at you first. Yeah. And then, like, disperse quickly. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of got to wait that part out. And then they'll start to, like, act a little bit more like cattle. <laughs> 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 I'm really grateful for good dogs. Yeah. Even the dogs are a little bit confused by them. Yeah. Yeah. Because their behavior is just not very cow-like. Yeah. Not predictable. No, they got all over the place, but they did a good job of eating that grass down. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, because we're able to get irrigation water back on top of it, that grass is coming back really strong right now. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. The ranch looks great. The Six Ranch um, home base looks really good and really everywhere does. It's definitely a relief. This year felt felt like a big exhale. Yeah. What's going on with uh, with Six Ranch Beef? Six Ranch Beef, it's really exciting. You know, our mom, I think, did a really incredible thing that is rarely done in ranching where she created a business on the ranch mm-hmm. that could be ran separately right. if needed yep. or could be terminated and the ranch could still move on. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she was able to say, here's this business and you could step into it 
and run it. And then, you know, she's getting a lease for the grass, which helps her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it gives us this awesome opportunity. And for our customers, it's, it's a smooth transition, right? It's just, we've been working as a family all along. We're still working as a family. We just kind of all shifted roles. So I think it's really exciting. What I am looking to do with Six Ranch Beef is move more towards restaurants. I want to do wholesale to restaurants more than I want to do custom direct beef. We have outstanding restaurants right now. We have outstanding restaurants and those are my people. Yeah. I love them so much. They're so hardworking. They're, you know, fun to work with. And I feel like that's where our product really shines. Mm. I think that Corianti beef is a little bit challenging to cook correctly. Yeah. And um, being able to work with chefs so that our then combined um, customer that's eating at those restaurants really gets a great experience. And we're doing a whole carcass grind, which just allows us to keep using Corianti's. Because we don't have to try to breed them in a way that gets us a consistent ribeye or right. any of that. They can be all the different sizes and shapes and leanness and everything that they are. And, you know, when we're grinding the whole thing, it comes out in this really naturally lean, very flavorful, amazing product that um, I think is the best. I think it makes the best burger. And... I want to I want to expand on that a little bit. Um keep it probably regional. Definitely regional, but um yeah, I, I think that I think we have the ability and opportunity to expand that. We should probably talk about the meat rodeo. Oh my gosh. The meat rodeo. The meat rodeo. <sighs> do you want me to humble myself right out of the gate? Yeah, please do. <laughs> uh You were right. yes recorded (laughs) ladies and gentlemen my little sister has said it the first time a little sister has said that to her older brother ever in the history of little sisters and older brothers holy smokes thank you you're welcome you're welcome you earned that it's okay it's okay i i don't know when it shifted for me but the the term meat rodeo really grossed me out the first time you said it. <laughs> I was like, we're not calling anything the meat rodeo ever. Um, but man, we are. And we put on a meat rodeo and I think it was so much fun. It crushed. It was so good. I'm so excited for next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think what happened, I was moving those yearlings probably out of your yard again and you brought me a cold beer which was so kind and um i told you that i was hoping to have an event for our restaurants just to give them some thanks let them blow off some steam and i just wanted to like make them a burger for Mm -hmm. a change and you got that funny little smile on your face like you did when you were talking about the garnish a minute ago and you're like we should make that a competition i was like yeah, we should. <laughs> and then and then I think you said meat rodeo and I was like, it's absolutely not gonna be called that, but let's just move forward with the concept. And um we yeah, invited all of our restaurants. Um four of them were able to make it and make teams 
and they showed up. Big time. These guys prepped. Yeah. They practiced. They came together as teams. They're competitive. Like, yes. And what was cool about it, in a lot of industries, you know, there's there's competition with, within, you know, different elements in the industry. And restaurants are, are much the same, right? Like, they want people to come to eat at their restaurant. And a couple of these restaurants are definitely, like, local competitors. Like, yeah. If I'm deciding on where I want to go to dinner tonight, I might go to the Gold Room. I might go to Range Rider. I might go to Terminal Gravity. So these guys were all competitors, but man, they were stoked to see each other. They were really cordial. You know, they're all, all in it together, very much, you know, in, in the same, in the same river, but there is also an edge, right? They're eyeballing each other a little bit. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to win this thing. Everybody wanted to win. So bad. So what were the events? Um, yes. So the events, we started with what I titled as a slider eating competition Mm -hmm. but what i did was a quarter pounder eating competition heavy quarter it was a quarter (laughs) everybody was very dramatic about the size of the burgers (laughs) um i i caught a lot of flack for that but you know two of the teams brought like i feel like an older, more seasoned burger eater and two of the teams were like teenagers. Mm -hmm. That's going to be our thing. And I, I was surprised that the teenagers ended up in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. They ended up number three and number four. Yeah. But the, the seasoned old, old vets, man, they were, they were one or two. Yeah. So, you know, we had to have a tiebreaker actually, because we gave them two minutes to see how many they could eat. Mm -hmm. We're, we're tied for three and four, tied for one and two. So we had a we had a tiebreaker to see who could finish a burger the quickest. Yep. And uh and that determined it. And actually, hats off to these guys. They continued eating burgers after it was over with. <laughs> they did. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. Um uh, we had, you know, these like towering plates full of burgers in front of each one of them and not only did they keep eating burgers, which was very funny to me, um, and I didn't do those guys any favors. There was no butter on those buns. There was mm. no, there was like barely seasoning in the burger. And yeah. like everyone else swarmed those plates too when we were done, um, which is pretty funny to me. But so those all got cleaned up. Um, next event uh, we did was a server race mm-hmm. and each server had a tray with a full beer on it and then they had a heckler or a customer we should call them <laughs> <laughs> from an opposing team to run behind them and ask questions <laughs> all the way through the race and also hank my three and a half year old got to throw water balloons at them and they had to race to the end of the arena and back, and their beers had to be full enough that they would be an acceptable beer to serve to a customer when they got back, which everyone did. Yeah. They all made it back with full enough beers. And they went fast, much faster than I expected them to. <laughs> they, yeah. They did. They did. And um, the uh, hecklers were relentless. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. So a different team took home the win for that. 
And then we did trivia. Mm. Um, and I actually just got an email this morning that said um, our team has still been talking about the new things we learned from trivia. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't a team that did well in trivia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that was really fun. You came up with six questions and I came up with six questions. Yeah. Beef and cattle related. Yep. 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 What was your favorite? Favorite question? Yeah. Probably the gestation period of, of a cow. Because <laughs> it was, everybody was going to guess. Every, yeah. Every, it's just not common knowledge. Um, so that that one was really anybody's game. And I'm pretty sure that a guesser won that. Well, yeah. But it was Dave Flynn. We yeah. call you out, Dave. Right here. No, he was a he was a heavy hitter. Yeah. Um for well, his team. Yeah. Dave's uh calved out a lot of cows. So yeah, that was really fun. And um and even that, those teams were like, you know, I have been reading about Coriantes, <laughs> I have been like researching beef, looking up cow information. There were some pretty bizarre answers too, which That was great I definitely too. Enjoyed. Yeah. Um so good we take a lot of things for granted that we just know yeah. about cows you know like i asked uh one of the questions asked was who brought coriantes to the americas right. i think somebody said like don coriante yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah which like, was strangely close and also very much not. yeah yeah which is great like some dude just brought these cows over and he's like i'm gonna name those cows after me like <laughs> Like they didn't exist before, you know, like he like made them. Um, so good. So then the final event was a burger cooking competition. And when we started the day, these guys got to draw for their cooking surface. Right. And we had a few of them. We kind of scrambled together to see what we had. Yeah. Um, so I had a, like an Oklahoma Joe, big um, offset smoker, pit barbecue, fit half a hog on it we had a weber just mm-hmm. a classic you know black round bucket yep. and uh then we had a traeger ranger and we had a traeger timberline 1300 and it was interesting everybody was really eyeballing cooking surfaces when they came in they definitely knew immediately which one they wanted to get yeah and i don't think anybody ended up with what they wanted yeah but it was also interesting to me that Almost everyone ended up putting a pan on top of their grill. Right. So they would rather cook on that flat pan surface than than on a grate. Very interesting. Yeah. They knew that they were going to have to draw for their cooking surface. Yeah. A lot of them thought we were going to put them on open fires. Yeah. All of them, um, which if it had been not as dry, we might have. Or had more teams. Or had more teams, we would have... Um, we would have added some some more things there, but um, I think they were just. I think it's such a smart move. They were just thinking, I can still be consistent mm-hmm. and plan for if I bring my own pan. Yep. And a lot of them are used to cooking on a flat top. Right. Right. So you know, we had teams out there who brought infrared thermometers so that they could mm-hmm. shoot their pan and know that they were using the same cooking surface temperature as what they're used to cooking on where they're cooking, you know, hundreds of burgers right. a day on at their restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. So you got to be a judge. I got to be a judge for 
the burger making competition. Talk about that. Well, I mean, I, f- I feel like that was my moment in life. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had arrived. <laughs> it was so good, but I, I was also taking it very seriously. Very yeah. seriously. I mean, this is, in many ways, this is my life's work. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've worked on this ranch and lived on this ranch my whole life. And seeing a, a product come from it, a product that's been developed over decades of, you know, really extraordinarily hard work, and then have that product go out to restaurants and then have these restaurants come back to the Six Ranch to compete by seeing how good of a burger they can make with this product like it was amazing and they were they were taking it very seriously they all wanted this beef to be the best that it could possibly be mm-hmm. and you know I wanted to be as honest and and as focused about about judging that as I as I fairly could um, and I I also didn't want to bring in um, any personal bias to that as well like I wanted to judge the burger on the merits of how they how they did it and we're judging them on on creativity um on taste and help me out on the last category plating and and presentation presentation yeah and I think that that's a great way to look at it great great way to judge that it it was cool I also got to wander around and watch them as they were using these these different cooking surfaces people had questions about the grills and like you know the the guy that drew the drew the offset smoker it seemed like maybe maybe he hadn't used one of those before so he was going to cook on the large side of it Mm -hmm. um and put the charcoal over there that's a that's a big area to heat up yeah Um, i was like well maybe put the charcoal on this side over here but I tried to make sure that I was helping anybody who needed help, at least with the function of what they were doing. Because sure. I, I wanted them to... our equipment. That seems yeah, big. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it wasn't charcoal briquettes. It was, you know, big mesquite um, lump, you know, real charcoal. So I got to see what everybody sort of brought to, to, um, to sort of trim their burgers out. <laughs> and the winning burger, holy cow. Still thinking about it? Still... Still thinking about it all the time. Nice. So Side A Brewing out of La Grande, Oregon, um, they they won the whole they won the whole rodeo. They won the first ever six ranch meat rodeo, and they won um, the burger competition. Yeah, they got a belt buckle. We should. Yeah. So obviously, when you win a rodeo, yeah, you, you win get a buckle. A, you win a buckle, and we got um, Molly's Custom Silver made us a buckle, first ever that she's done. With a hamburger on it. <laughs> and it's pretty classy looking. Yeah. It's really awesome. So That is awesome. So their burger, um, they would homemade pickled onions. Mm-hmm. They had um, beer cheese, you know, from their brewery, obviously. They had fried chicken skins. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That thing was unbelievable what they call it like the the felony burger or something yeah like, something awesome so good it should be a crime <laughs> <laughs> uh they were so much fun but all the burgers were outstanding like so good they looked so good some of the best burgers i've ever had in my life yeah and uh yeah all of them were just gorgeous we've, we've got some great photos and videos of this whole thing too but it was really neat you yeah. know had a couple kegs of beer it, yeah. it was everybody's day off. 
you know, Saturday rented rented a van to come over. Like, yeah. It was really, really fun. And, you know, very um, true to people that I've worked with in restaurants. Like, they also brought, you know, like homemade amazing side dishes and snacks for everyone to share and cut up fruit on ice and, you know, just constantly like, how can we help? What, you know, can we do this for you? Can we make this easier? Hung out with my kids and played. Yeah. You know, and yeah, we, um, going out to the stalls and petting the draft horses. Yeah. Petting horses. And just, it was a blast too. And I, I think it's so important. Restaurants are not easy ever. Yeah. Um, I, the stress level those guys endure and the work they put in is, is really, really remarkable. And to see them just have some fun was, was really rewarding. And, um, and man, I appreciate the extra effort it takes to use local products. For sure. It really, it's not easier. No, it's, it's way harder, Yeah, way harder. Um, there's a reason that, you know, a Cisco rep can come to your restaurant and place your order for you. And it shows up in the easiest form possible to get a consistent like plate out every single time. And otherwise, I mean, you like text me and I try to fit you in on a delivery and then it comes in a box and you've got to, you know, take that and form your own patties and season and work with us on, you know, Last year it was dry grass and that's a different product. Yeah. You got to taste and season accordingly and yeah, just, but not necessarily a, enough, not necessarily a worse product either, you know? So when you're getting grass fed beef from local places like this, it's more like a vintage of wine. Oh, absolutely. So every year is going to be a little bit different where it's unlike wine is we can't go back to <laughs> 1993. Like, right. You know, we can't have six ranch 93 beef. Like, that'd be cool. Um, That's what we call family meat. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ooh, haven't seen this part of the freezer for a while. Yeah. <laughs> when you defrost it, and you're like, oh, that wasn't ice. There's meat in there. Yeah. You take your flathead with you to the freezer and chip something out. God, I'm so bad about that with wild game. Because in the fall, there's just like quarters and quarters and pounds and yeah feel it's like it's never gonna end like massive amounts of game meat coming through and i'll get in this mode of cutting and wrapping where my my laziness takes over and i'm like i'll totally remember that package <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to write down the date and the species and the cut of what this is or i'll start using like invented code words <laughs> I've seen you draw pictures too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I found one the other day that was um, WTBS 19. TBS, white tail, buck. Backstrap is what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. Tasted fine. (laughs) 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 But Uh, I didn't look at that and be like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. You know, I had to thaw it out. Yeah. I feel like that's such a such a good representation of what the seasonality of this work is like. Like in the spring, if I could look at spring me in the fall, I'd just yeah. slap her. Like, you know, calm down. Yeah. You're not going to get all that done. It's not going to be color coded. And you aren't going to shower until like September. You know, just 
reel it in, lady. Yeah. I so mean, much energy in the spring. Same thing for me with like the beginning of guide season versus the end. Yeah. It's like by December, I look about 10 years older oh, than yeah. I do in August. Yeah. And there, I'm just a shell of a human. <laughs> There's nothing left. I, I, I put it all, put it all out there. Right. And you know, then after a couple months of <laughs> holidays and trade shows, it's like, I'm back. Let's right? do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's this like, there's this little chunk of downtime in the winter and um, we call it the planning season. And it's when we do our grazing plan and, you know, financial plan and we submit all of our loan applications and do all that stuff. And that work is hard, but man, it's rosy. Yeah. Yeah, pretty funny. You get to this point and yeah, I'm just throwing boxes in different corners and living on post-its. Yeah. Um, trying to remind myself where I'm supposed to be and ra- seven times a day. And raising a couple rapidly growing boys while you're at it. Yes. How's that going? So good. It's wild. But like they couldn't, they just can't be cuter than they are right now. Yeah. So Ira is one and a half and Hank is three and a half and they're hilarious and so challenging, so stubborn, so strong-willed. Being a parent in the summer is hands down easier um, because they're so happy outside and you can go outside and it, there's stuff to do. They're, they're like stimulated and happy and they love going to work with us because they're, involved in everything and they feel important and included and they've got their own little tasks. Um, Hank has his own toolbox that he brings with him and his own backpack with his lunch in it. And, you know, and yeah, Ira just wants to be involved. They both just want to be involved. And I feel like the hardest times I ever have with my kids is when I'm trying to do something and I just want them to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know it'll happen, but we're not at the stage of like, can you guys go play? For a little bit while I take a phone call. Yeah. Abs- go, go catch a grasshopper. Right. Yeah, get we're, out of here. Yeah. We're not there yet. Yeah. And so whenever I feel like we really have to like do battle and it's challenging is because I'm just trying to get something done. Like I just, and it, it can be anything. It's dishes. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's anything. And, um, that's hard, but man, when I get to be with them and they get to be in the mix and then we're all pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. And they say the funniest things. Well, Ira grunts Yeah. and, you know, points and communicates in his own hysterical and very clear way. Um, Hank says the funniest things I've ever heard. And he can catch a fish by himself. And he can catch a fish by himself. Well, he can reel in a fish by himself. Yeah. And he gives you cred, you know, um, he's, he's not, yeah, he's not, (laughs) he's not full of himself. It's like, yeah. I mean, uncle James catches it and then I, I reel him in. But he does, you know, he takes an adult fishing rod and reel and cranks on the handle until the fish is over the side of the boat. And then he grabs the fish and throws it in the cooler. That's better than, you know, three quarters (laughs) of the adults I fish with at least. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And then, you know, he guts them. Um, we talk about each part of the guts. He knows mm-hmm. which 
fish are female and which are male and then we cook it and uh hank has always helped me cook and he's very particular um and opinionated about like how much salt and how much butter and how much whatever we're putting on there and whenever he thinks it's there he goes that's perfect (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's pretty cute pretty cute they're great I thought it was funny. I think the first time I saw him do it was at Christmas. Um, He pulled one of the cupboard drawers out um, so that he could stand in it so that he could help help cook. Yeah. It's very clever for a three-year-old, I feel like. Yeah. You know, I I have no idea what kids are supposed to be able to do at different stages. Mm -hmm. They give you, like, handouts, you know, when you go to checkups or whatever. But so I'm blown away. Yeah. By what my kids are capable of. And that's partially just being a biased parent. Sure. But it's also like, I think my kids are really clever and they figure stuff out um, like that. Like, I mean, they'll build up whatever materials, they'll take whatever materials they have and build ladders and buildings and things to get what they want. Um it's really cool to watch. Yeah. 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 It's fun. Yeah. I like I like it when they can talk. Yeah. And I can understand it's easier them. Easier for yeah. I don't have a lot of uh interaction with Ira yet because, you know, he doesn't want anybody to hold on to him except for you. Yeah. And uh he can't really communicate. He can travel a little bit. He's a good swimmer. Great swimmer. But yeah, once Hank could start talking and I could understand him, then I was like, Okay, now we can bond a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you rarely need a translator anymore. You guys do pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I really enjoy antagonizing him when I can. <laughs> and if he says something that I don't understand, I'll try to repeat it back to him the way I heard it. And he <laughs> says, no, no, James, no, Uncle James. And then he tries, he says it exactly the same way again. I still don't understand. So I'm halfway antagonizing him and halfway trying to point out, like, look, dude, you're not saying it right. I don't understand you. <laughs> uh, do you have any of those memories, though, as a kid, like, thinking you were clearly, like, I called burgers boogers, hmm. which must have been so funny. But yeah. in my head, I was saying the exact same thing you were saying. It yeah. didn't sound any different. Right. No, I mean... I lost almost all those memories. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, one of the brutal things about brain injuries is like, even like junior high, high school, grade school, like all of it's gone. Um, yeah. And every once in a while, I'll get a fragment of it back. Um, but most of the memories that I have are actually just me remembering when somebody like told the story. story about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a memory of somebody else's memory right. being recalled. So. I don't have that, and it sucks. Yeah. But whatever. So you're saying I could retell some of our childhood memories, but you won't know that they're not true. Um. Yeah. I mean, I can still tell when you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually you who wrecked the pickup truck into the fence. Yeah. That was, does, was... doesn't sound like something I would do. <laughs> Yeah. You guys have been kind of hard on vehicles lately. Ugh, I don't want to talk about that. 
man, we've had a hard go. We've got a flat tire curse yeah. going on. And I, I'm not a mechanic in any kind of way. It's one of the reasons I'm not a farmer. It's because I feel like all you do is fix equipment and machinery. And that's not something that I have any skill set in. I really don't either. And it's such a funny thing because I love, I love mechanical things. I love motorcycles. I love trucks. I love airplanes. I like all of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how any of it works. Yeah. Um, and we just didn't grow up with that. Right. You know, I can fix a chainsaw, know a bit about guns. Yeah. But man, if something goes wrong with my freaking 2020 F-150, I'm hosed. Like, yeah. I don't know. I can check some, check some fuses. I know. Ain't um, got no gas in it. Like, right? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you try turning it off and then starting it again? Um, yeah. Mark is is very good. My e-bike. My <laughs> my Grizzly scooter from uh, from Baku. Yeah. That thing is so badass. <laughs> I've been scooting all over the place God. with it. But the other day, it just quit working. And it had a battery charge. And it, it turned on. And then I would, you know, turn it up to, you know, throttle level three. Max throttle, obviously, <laughs> all the time. And it just wouldn't go. And I was like, what? It's broken. So I wrote their customer service and they text me back and they're like, did you hit the red button? I was like, well, the thing about red buttons is that you're never supposed to hit the red button. Like, obviously, if you ever watched a James Bond movie, I go out and hit the red button and it goes again. So I'd accidentally like hit this button. Yeah. That it's like so obvious. And it's just like the red button on a motorcycle that shuts it on and off. I'm like, God, I'm dumb. And I apologize for being full bar stupid I to their customer service. I wrote them back and like, I'm sorry for being dumb. Um, I'm sure you have to deal with a lot of this. I hate to contribute to the pile. But man, that thing is awesome. I love it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Mark's, uh, Mark's a good mechanic. Mark's a good he mechanic. And that's, that's really helpful to our operation. I think it's funny. There's a generational thing about buttons because in mom is the worst she never wants to touch a button Mm -hmm. she's scared that it's all especially like on the computer but on machines and everything like but maybe that's the button that destroys it yeah like they don't make destroy button like destroy all buttons anymore my watch has one has a destroy all button yeah it's called a kill switch no it doesn't it does too check this out so this is garmin tactics Seven Ballistic Pro Watch kill switch right there. What happens? Well, I'll tell you what happens because <laughs> <laughs> I touched it when I was first playing with this watch after I'd had it all set up. It wipes it clean. Like any data that was on the watch is now gone. Okay. Because you can store all kinds of information on here about, you know, it's got GPS. And it's got all these tactical features for the ninjas who are still out there in the field and whatever. Like, you don't want the, the enemy to get a hold of any of that information. You hit the kill switch button on this watch and it's slick, gone, goodbye. Not no recovery. Nope. And it's that's pretty accessible. I mean, you got to it really fast. I did. You don't have to do like a passcode. Well, I mean, this thing's smart. It's got like a touch screen. You can navigate it really easy. It doesn't like scan your eyeball. It might be. I it don't doesn't know. say, are you drunk? Are you sure? Oh, I think it knows. I think it knows when I'm up to no good. <laughs> it tells me when I need to move. 
It's like you've been sitting still for too long. Take a walk. Do not tell Netflix you're still watching. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Huh. Well, okay. But besides that, most things do not have... Most things don't have a destroy all button. And so I feel like when you watch younger people deal with their devices, Mm -hmm. they'll punch so many buttons. They have no fear. They haven't watched enough James Bond. Yeah. They also like... There's like so many recovery plans. There's mm-hmm. like the cloud storage. There's like, you know, like you can get it back. Yeah. Like nothing ever really disappears. You, you just sign in from another device and then you have gotcha. access to it again. Instead of like, if I offend this device, it's it's going to die and never come right. back. Right. right. And so our mom does that all the time. Like I'll come to her house and she's having some sort of trouble. And I'm like, you just need to push that button. She's like, I don't think I should do that. (laughs) And I'm like, it's okay. It'll be okay. And so I borrowed her four wheeler the other day. And, uh, it was like three days, maybe more later. And I came by the house and I was there for this, the orange light. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, uh, so ever since you borrowed my four-wheeler, it's really hard to turn and there's an orange light on. I was like, huh, sounds like it's in four-wheel drive or, you know. She's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, okay. Uh, do you want me to look at it? She's like, I mean, I don't know. It sound- no, never mind. I'll just, I'll deal with it later. I just can't turn it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got on the four-wheeler and there's... An or- there's one orange light and there's one orange button on that whole four-wheeler. And the orange button has like pictures and words that describe that if it's pushed in, that you're in, I don't even know if it's four-wheel drive, but yeah. all- all-wheel drive or whatever. Um, it's a clue. And then if it's not, like the light goes off and it turns easier. But she was so scared to touch that button. Yeah. That she wouldn't do it. She'd rather just strain her arms and Kill shoulders. <laughs> yeah. I bet I could buy some red buttons and just start installing them in places around. Just, yeah. Just it'd to, be paralyzing. Yeah. And just get out my label maker and put like, <laughs> do not push next to it. Then <laughs> <laughs> put up your uh, trail cams. <laughs> Our poor mom. <laughs> Lots of parents would struggle with that. They wouldn't push it. Hank would push it. Yeah. I could see that. I don't know. If he could read. I feel like, you know, that test of like, if you don't eat the donut and I come back in the room, you can have two donuts. No, I don't know that one. It's like a famous psychology test. I don't think it was donuts, but it was something. It was like, here's a treat. Um, Don't eat it. And... When I come back, if you haven't eaten it, you can have two. Mm. And then they wait and see how long and what kids do, right? Mm. And you, they, like, play with it. Some kids just eat the treat, like, as soon as it adults <laughs> out the door. like. And then some kids, like, it doesn't bother them at all. Mm. And um, I actually think that Hank is a pretty classic, like, oldest child rule-following, no problem. I'll, you said not to eat it. I didn't eat it. Like. Yeah where Ira would probably eat it in front of you like before you left the room and then just stare you down. Like you should, you should probably bring me another one when you come back. (laughs) 
what I heard you say was you have more donuts. Than right? This. Yeah. This can be replaced. So I'm going to go ahead and just take care of that. Oh, man. Um, you're doing a little bit of writing right now. Yes. Where, um, where can people follow along on that? I want to want to end on this note. Okay. Um, so uh, I have a blog that's just adeleshot.com. Um, A-D-E-L-E-S-C-H-O-T-T.com. Link in podcast description. And uh, I have an Instagram, uh, Ranching and Romancing. The Sixth Ranch has an Instagram. Um, and then I also, starting the 15th, the first newsletter for the brand new nonprofit called Women in Ranching is going to feature um, some of my writing. Cool. So if you sign up for that newsletter, you can follow along with some of that too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think you're doing good. Thanks. Keep, keeping the cows alive, keeping the kids alive. Yeah. Keep, keeping the trucks on the road for the most part. Yeah. We're doing it. it it's a little hectic, but uh, we're we're going going right at it. And thanks. Appreciate it. Happy to be home and pursuing this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Catch you later. Bye. I'm working on building a house this year, which is something that I know nothing about. And I love that. It's exciting. Uh, everything is a new challenge and there's lots of challenges that pop up. The other day we we're laying out rebar and getting ready to pour concrete for the foundation of the shop that's going to be next to the house. And one of the guys that was there that was helping one of the construction crewmen, I looked over and he had a Stanley thermos sitting on the end of the trailer. I said, how do you like that thing? And he goes, oh, I love it. I've had it for a decade. Like, you know, if you find any environment where people are out there working hard, working hard with their hands outside, no matter the conditions, you're probably going to see a Stanley product there. It's something that just goes with that blue collar labor, because that's what this product is doing. It is out there working just as hard as you are. It's going to be there as long as you are. It's going to be there after you're done. It's something that, that I feel passionate about with every piece of gear that I take either into the woods or into the workplace, like it's got to be able to outwork me. And I work really hard myself. If you are also a hard worker, and I'm sure that you are, then you could probably appreciate the same type of gear. If you go to stanley1913.com and you use the discount code six ranch, that's the number six and the word ranch, you can get 25% off just about any of their products. And I encourage you to do that. They're a great supporter of this show and a great supporter of this audience. Again, I love you guys. And I just want to pass this, uh, this discount and the savings on to you. If you want something from Stanley, I encourage you to get it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. 
Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.